Welcome to Detroit Today on 101.9 WDET. I'm Stephen Henderson, and as always, thanks for tuning in. A little later in the show, we're going to have a conversation with Henry Louis Gates, history professor at Harvard University and host of the show Finding Your Roots, which is now in its fourth season on PBS. We talk about the show and that uniquely American uh, quest, I think, to find out more about who we are and where we come from. Really interesting conversation coming up a little later in the show. Also remember that uh, if you are headed into work or away from your radio for any other reason, you don't have to miss out on the conversation here on Detroit Today. All you got to do is go to iTunes or wherever it is you download uh, podcasts, download and subscribe to Detroit Today, and you can take us with you. You can listen to us when you are ready. Up first today, 20 years ago this week, former Detroit Mayor Coleman Young died at the age of 79. He was born in 1918. He served in the Army Air Force during World War II as a Tuskegee Airman. He became a voice for civil rights and black activism in the political realm over the next several decades and eventually became the city of Detroit's first black mayor in 1973. We're going to talk about his legacy and the days and hours leading up to his death during the first part of our show with a couple of people who worked really closely with Mayor Young. Joining us now is Bob Berg. He is the founder of Berg Muirhead Communications Consulting Firm, now retired, uh, and he was the press secretary for Mayor Coleman Young. Also here is Reverend Larry Simmons. He's the executive director of the Brightmore Alliance, uh, worked closely with Mayor Young, and uh, Simmons' father was a Tuskegee Airman with Coleman Young during World War II. Bob and Larry, welcome to Detroit Today. Good morning. Morning. Thank yeah. you. Uh, it's it's a little hard to to think about it being twenty years since uh, Mayor Young died. It's a long time. It's two decades. Uh, a lot of things have changed in that time. Uh, a lot of things have changed for the city that he loved so much uh, during that time. Both, I think, for the worse, some of them, and some of them for the better. But let's go back first to that that time uh, when he was uh, when he was sick and and not likely to be with us for a long time give us a sense of what that was like uh, in the city i mean this was this was an event that wasn't just about him and his family it was about detroit bob well it was um, he was he ended up he went into sinai hospital in august of that year for what was supposed to be a short stay and uh, just never got his health never rebounded to the point where he could leave and uh, had a series of, of crises. Um, the media were <laughs> lined up on Outer Drive there, mm -hmm. uh, seemed like every day for mm -hmm. the, the four months. Uh, and near the end, um, one of the doctors who was taking care of him said, uh, you realize, he said, there is no medical reason that he is still alive. He said, it's strictly a matter of his will. Yeah. He's just not ready to go yet. <laughs> and and, uh, and that's, that was what was happening. Um, and, and there was a there was a vigil there, and I think by the, when the end came, everybody knew that it was that it was imminent. But it still uh, was uh, um, uh, traumatic for the city yeah. uh, to lose him. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and he'd been out of office for a few years at that point, and and the city had uh, had moved on in terms of its governance. Uh, but he still had this incredible hold, I think, over over Detroiters and over the conversation, not just in Detroit, but in the region. I mean, I, I can't think of a mayor since who has had that sort of regional pull, both 
the positive pull that he had from for, from people, but also the negative reaction uh, well, it, to him. I think it's a, it's, it's a measure of his impact that uh, 20 years after he has left this earth, uh, you still find people who have very strong opinions pro and con <laughs> yeah, about right, the mayor. Right, it's an, almost like a Rorschach test, <laughs> right? right? If, I say that, if I say that name, what's the, the look on your face? I right. can tell a lot about you, right? <laughs> uh, uh, Larry, uh, you worked with the, the mayor for, for a long time, is, is my memory. Um, Ten years. Yeah. Um, uh, talk, about, talk about the things that uh, you remember about uh, the way, not just the way he uh, he led the city, uh, but the way he led the people of the city. I mean, I think there's, there's two different things there. I think you make a very astute observation. Um, the, the mayor was a student of history uh, in, the, in the really classic meaning of the term student. He studied all the time. Uh, you'd come into his room, he'd have four or five TVs going at the same time. Um, I recall an instance where a person I'm not going to name had made an offer to do something which the mayor, in his own unique way, rejected. And off off mic, I'll tell you exactly (laughs) how he did it. I can imagine what words might have been involved there. (laughs) But then he went on to explain to me the reason that he was holding so fast on this desire to have Detroit made into an uh, international trade center, and his explanation encompassed the currents on the east coast of the United States and why the I-75 freeway, which pa- he's telling me this, mm-hmm. passes through 75% of the United States population within 25 miles either side. I'm going like, what? Why do you know this, right? <laughs> right? Why do you know this? But because he was such a student, um, both of the events of history and of people, uh, he was a sharp evaluator of people quickly sure. and accurately. And so his leadership flowed out of that 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 desire of his to be a student, to understand. And he did understand a great deal and was not was unafraid when it came to tackling uh, issues that he thought his voice could make a difference. Yeah. Uh, you know, a lot of people's negative reactions to him, I think, are about, uh, they're about race, no question. They're about the divisions that grew up in this community around the difference between the city uh, and the suburbs. Mm-hmm. Uh, but at the same time, his personality sometimes sometimes got him into trouble. I mean, he was a pretty gruff person, and uh, and he was direct in a way that that I think people were maybe unaccustomed to dealing with, maybe unaccustomed to hearing from an African American and having to to sort of live with that. Um, uh, talk about that personality, how that played out with the people around him. Well, you know, it's funny you mentioned that because I think that is exactly why he was he evoked the reactions positive and negative yes he did things which um uh some people found offensive but it was his his unwillingness as uh bishop ellis once said uh, not to laugh when he wasn't tickled and not to dance if there wasn't any music right he was a look you in the eye person and for many uh who were many were unaccustomed to an African-American doing that, and it created in the community 
and this was too long before I came to work for him, a sense of pride that there was finally somebody who would stand up and say what I could not afford to say on my job, what I couldn't afford to uh, speak out on the street to somebody who was being abusive to me who happened to have on a uniform. I couldn't say those things, but Coleman was talking for me. And that's how we spoke of him. This is long before I called him the mayor. When we out on the street, he was Coleman. (laughs) Coleman's representing. (laughs) (laughs) Right. Uh, This is Detroit Today on 1019 WDET. I'm Stephen Henderson. My guests are Bob Berg, uh, former press secretary for Mayor Coleman Young, and Reverend Larry Simmons, uh, who worked closely with Mayor Young. We are talking about the anniversary this week, the 20-year anniversary of the mayor's death. Uh, What do you think Coleman Young's legacy is in the city and the region? Has your perspective on him changed over the past couple of years or the decades? Do you think differently about Coleman Young today than you did in the mid-90s or the mid-80s or in the 1970s, if you were alive then? And how do you think Mayor Young would be received if he were running for mayor Today, if you want to join the conversation, give us a call. 313-577-1019 is the number on the phone. That's 313-577-1019. You can also uh, go to the WDET Facebook page, uh, put your comments there, or you can go to Twitter and hashtag us at Detroit Today, and we will work you into the conversation. Also, tell us what you think about uh, the current day uh, governance here in Detroit. Does it reflect things that, uh, that Mayor Young did or said? Uh, is it really different? Is it so different that you don't recognize it? Uh, and the, are those differences, in your view, good things or are they bad things? Again, 313-577-1019 is the number on the phones. Uh, Bob and Larry, I want to I want to start with you guys with, with that question about today uh, in Detroit and how different a space we're in, uh, in terms of leadership, in terms of what's going on in the city, and and what you think he might make of all all of this. Um, go ahead, Bob. Well, you know, so much of what's happening today actually has its roots in what Mayor Young did, whether you're talking about uh, re- redeveloping the riverfront. He started that. Uh, Little Caesars Arena. He kept the Red Wings in Detroit. With Joe Lewis. With Joe Lewis yeah. Arena, when, yeah. when they had signed a contract to move out next to the Silverdome. Mm-hmm. Um, the the Fox Theater, um, convincing the Illiches to to move into the Fox Theater. They had started a corporate headquarters, a new co- headquarters in Farmington Hills, and he convinced them to buy the Fox, renovate it, and that was the start of the theater district. So yeah. there's so much of what's going on now really started under him. Yeah, yeah, and and so much of it now is controversial in a different way, and. Part of that, I feel like, is because he's not in in leadership. In other words, the 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 conversation we're having about whose Detroit this is, the conversation about who these developments are for, would look really different if the mayor were Coleman Young than it does with the mayor being Mike Duggan, or for that fact, uh, for that matter, the mayor having been Dave Bing or Kwame Kilpatrick. I mean, he had a he had a way of. I think uh, talking about those things and making it clear that everyone was going to benefit that maybe we've we, we've lost. Right. Well, pe- yeah. people had a, a there was a great confidence that if he was in the room cutting the deal, he was not going to sell out the people of Detroit. Right. Right. You know, um, and let me correct one thing. It was, my father wasn't in the um, 
when the military would come, and they actually worked together organizing UAW. Okay, okay. Uh, my father was an attorney who volunteered to support the efforts of the workers as they uh, organized and organized some lawyers and others with him. But this relates to my answer to your question. Uh-huh. People knew that from his youth, Coleman Young was a man who had fought on behalf of the rights of people, African-Americans, but not just African-Americans. And the other thing is people knew that he had paid a deep price for that because during the 1950s, during the McCarthy uh, Un-American Activities era, he had been uh, labeled as a communist and was denied employment. Uh, So people knew that, that the mayor had made great sacrifices. He had gone to Lansing as part of the CONCON and had represented the community. So he had a deep history. And so as Bob pointed out, if, if the mayor was in the room, based on that history, people were absolutely certain that the best deal possible was going to get cut yeah. for the city. Yeah. Uh, what do you think he would make of the leadership we have now in the city? Uh, I mean, there's a lot of talk about that. His son ran to challenge uh, Mike Duggan to be to be mayor of the city. And yet most of the people I know who actually knew Mayor Young and worked with him supported Duggan over Coleman Young. What what uh, what, what do you think about all of that? I'll, I'll tell you as somebody who's working in the neighborhoods and in the community and and interacting with people every day, both as pastor of Baber Memorial AME Church and as the executive director of the Brightmore Alliance. I'm I'm on the ground with everyday folks. And I would think that the mayor actually would be supportive of what is going on. And let me tell you why I'm saying that. I want to just say that for some theory. Right. Um, lights have been repaired. The budget is balanced. You know, Coleman Young was one of the most fiscally conservative people was, right? to ever occupy office. People yeah. don't give him credit for that. They think he was some, like, free-spending liberal. The last balanced budgets prior to now that the city had came under him. Uh, he was very conservative, but he 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 did things that would help the neighborhoods, much to the way Duggan is doing. And and they both are very strong personalities who love the numbers. The mayor was the most incredible number cruncher in his head <laughs> to this date I have ever seen. Yeah, and Mike is very similar. Yeah, uh, uh, Mike Duggan is very similar. Yeah, that that that. Uh that penchant for uh, sort of being smart with money and and being conservative with it is something he doesn't get a lot of credit for. Uh, people think that the fiscal problems that we have in Detroit now owe to him uh, more so than the idea that, look, you do have to, to, to balance the budget. And, and I, as somebody who's written about uh, the 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 way he handled our money and gotten the blowback from people. I, I'll mm-hmm. tell you how hard it is to tell that story and and get people to even to even believe it. You know the other thing uh, that he did that that I think is similar. If you look at the Duggan administration, you will see a very ethnically balanced administration. Coleman Young, when the city was seventy five percent African American made a pointed effort to ensure that his staff was always 50-50. Right. He, he absolutely was not a segregationist of any sort. And so I think he'd be approving of that. Yeah. And, and just coincidentally, and I want to give this up, Bob, to you, because I know you got something you want to say too, but <laughs> I, 
You know, the, the thing that, that I find fascinating, because I was on the street for, the, for Coleman Young, the mayor back then, and on the street now doing my job, is he got, he got a lot of uh, grief about focusing on downtown versus the neighborhood. He did, that's right. You know, that's people right. have, have kind of forgotten that, you know. <laughs> but the truth of the matter is we were constantly under pressure politically and in the community about him spending too much time downtown. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Bob? Yeah, that, I, I, I have very vivid memories of that. <laughs> it was, and it, when I hear Mayor Duggan being criticized for that, now it brings back memories. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right. okay, but he, was, he always said that downtown is your living room. Right, um, <laughs> right. You know, right. And, and if your living room isn't in good shape, the house you is not in good shape. You do want it to be. You want it to be in good shape. You want it to be economically viable. You right. want it to be generating tax revenue. Uh, for the services you need in the neighborhoods. It's really hard to make that translation, though, I think, with folks who live in the neighborhoods when the neighborhoods are struggling, uh, mm-hmm. as they are now. And, and you look around and you think, good gracious, when is the, all of that going to get uh, to me? But, but it's, a, it's a great reminder that this is not a new conversation uh, and this is not the first mayor to have to deal with it. All right, we're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we're going to continue our conversation about uh, Mayor Coleman Young, 20 years this week since he died. We want to continue to talk about what uh, his legacy means today in 2017. And we want to continue to hear from you. 313-577-1019. Roosevelt in Detroit, Anthony and Celine, you are up next on Detroit Today. Hit eight mile road. And, and I don't give a damn if they're black or white, if they wear super fly suits or blue uniforms or silver badges. Hit the road. Hit eight mile road. That was uh, Coleman Young in his first. Uh, speech as mayor, I believe, uh, talking about the city he wanted to create for us here in Detroit. Of course, that quote gets misquoted more than perhaps anything else he ever said. Uh, Lots of folks who say that he got elected and told white people to hit Eight Mile Road are thinking of that quote. And of course, as you listen to it, you can hear that's absolutely not what he was saying. He was saying, Let's get the crooks out of Detroit. Let's get the crime out of the city. Let's make it a better place for all of us, black, white, and whatever. This is Detroit Today on 1019 WDET. I'm Stephen Henderson, and we are talking about this week being the 20th anniversary of the death of Coleman Young, Detroit's first black mayor. He died at the age of 79 in uh, or 1997. Sorry, uh, We're talking about his legacy, his legacy 20 years later. What does it look like now in 2017? What are the things that we learned from Coleman Young that we still use? What are the things that we learned from Coleman Young that maybe we don't want to do 
anymore. If you want to join the conversation, give us a call. 313-577-1019 is the number on the phones. That's 313-577-1019. You can also go to the WDET Facebook page and put your comments there or go to Twitter and hashtag Detroit Today. We'll try to work you into the conversation. And joining us for this conversation is Bob Berg, a former press secretary for Coleman Young. Also, Reverend Larry Simmons, pastor at Baber Memorial AME Church, also executive director of the Brightmore Alliance, and worked closely with Mayor Young. Again, 313-577-1019 is the number on the phones. Let's talk about that quote and how badly it gets mis- misunderstood. Well, you know, if, 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 when you listen to that tape and you listen to the audience reaction, that was a mixed audience. That was yes. about a 50-50 audience. Yeah. Uh, it's clear that they understood exactly what he was saying. You know, it was the the new sheriff in town. Right. This town ain't big enough for both of us. Get out of town. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. Right. Right. And it's become this sort of clarion for people who want to talk about how divisive right. he was uh, and say that, that he he wanted to keep white people out of Detroit. But there's there's, there's just no evidence that— Well, you know, I, I, I tell people that I was white the entire time I worked for him. And, <laughs> right. And, it didn't just come about. <laughs> right. And, and I think I would have noticed <laughs> somewhere in those 15 he years— like that, that he didn't like white people. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> and I don't think, as Larry pointed out, you know, he had a policy from day one to the last day, 50-50. Yeah. Right. In the administration. In the administration. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And, and that, to him, that was very important because he said, we're either going to go up together or down together. Yeah. yeah. You know, language is so fraught with difficulty because I think what, in, now in retrospect, the mayor was speaking Ebonics. When he said hit eight mile, that's a street way of saying get out of town. Right. That's right. Which I think outside the cultural context of that phrase, it then leapt into other people's context. And so 8 Mile became, you're making criminals, because this is the other interpretation I've heard, you're sending all the crooks into the suburbs. Yeah. He wasn't saying that at all. No. He could just have easily have said, get to Ohio. And get out of the state. Right? Get out of the state. The people in Ohio would be, you know, <laughs> you just all the feeling some us, kind of right? way. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, we've got a lot of phone calls here, a lot of people who want to participate in this conversation. Let's go to Roosevelt in Detroit. Welcome yes, to good Detroit morning, today. Mr. Henderson, hey. and to your guests. Uh-huh. Go ahead. Uh, yes, I, um, uh, a great conversation, and um, I, I just feel really honored to have been a part of, um, of that uh, era uh, as a, a Detroit police officer, uh, part of a group of officers that the mayor uh, hired um, um, to kind of um, um, diversify the Detroit Police Department and the fire department, those agencies. Uh-huh. Um, and people from within the city of Detroit, um, a lot very much qualified, uh, college degrees, uh, veterans from the military, um, and um, but uh, I want to speak briefly on the um, the, uh, the visual that was held on uh, West Outer Drive that that turned into a true love fest, and not just from um, uh, from people from within the city, like your guests have said. It was people from the metropolitan Detroit era yeah, yeah. Uh, area, and um, uh, just just honored to have been a part of. Um, different meeting settings uh, with jobs I had within the Detroit Police Department and um, just a lot of respect yeah. for the mayor. Yeah. It was terse when he needed 
Roosevelt, I really appreciate uh, the call and the comments. I love uh, that people who actually knew him or came into contact with him want to participate in this conversation. I think too often uh, we hear from people who didn't actually know the mayor or maybe weren't even around at the time uh, talking about who he was or what he stood for. So, Roosevelt, I really appreciate uh, you calling and participating there. Let's talk to Carrie. Carrie in Detroit, you're up next on Detroit Today. Yes, hi. Thanks for taking my call. Uh Um, So glad to just comment a little bit. I was raised in the 70s and 80s in Livonia and definitely had this you know, common lexicon that, you know, white people were not wanted in the city, and I myself am white. And uh, Interestingly, it took me moving out to Boston and living out there for about eight years to realize I love cities and wanted to be in a city. I moved back here, and <laughs> my husband and I have been in the Woodbridge Midtown area for the last 10 years, and we love it. Um, and the experience, though, really affected me. And I think about it all the time, that I thought I wasn't wanted in my own city. Wow. And it took being somewhere else to come back and be here and really find, like, I love the diversity. I love the perspectives. I've never once encountered the feeling of you're not wanted here. Um, I just think that's interesting that that was just not my experience growing up here and living here for the first 20 years. Yeah, Carrie, that's a great that's a great story, and I think uh, I think a lot of people who grew up in this region around the same time would would be able to say the same things about the impressions that they had. Uh, you know, it's always it's always. Uh, curious to me where that impression came from and 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 who was fueling it. I mean, there are a couple of folks who come to mind. Uh, you know, Brooks Patterson and and the animosity he had with uh, the mayor, at least publicly, uh, I think did a lot to fuel that. But the idea that it that it was so ingrained in in people's minds, I think, is really reflect, reflected in what Kerry was saying there. Uh, let's you take, know, yeah, go ahead, Larry. I was going to say, uh, and I want to give a shout out to Rosie, uh, who absolutely definitely knew the mayor. Um, I just want to say that what you said, Carrie, is so important because the Woodbridge community was one of those communities that the mayor self-consciously encouraged as part of the rebuilding process. Yeah. Uh, many of his, uh, well, I shouldn't say many, some of his senior staff, uh, well, some of the first to move into that neighborhood as it began to rebuild. And so this, it is really important, I think, if, if there's anything I can contribute to the history of the legacy of Coleman Young, uh, who we still call the mayor. Right. <laughs> uh, I, there's a story about that in the campaign that we'll tell sometime yeah. that you can't say in public. Right. <laughs> uh, but the mayor was absolutely, irrevocably committed to integration. And uh, you can see from his partnerships with Henry Ford, with Max Fisher, that he was unafraid to talk to uh, private sector barons, the, the, the most senior uh, members of the community, who in those days were all white men. Uh, he reached out to them. He, he partnered. He took their counsel. So um, it's an unfortunate side effect of the era. And some politicians who ran on a campaign against him. And I'm going to say it was Brooks Patterson leading that charge uh, because of this um, fear of busing, which led him to power. Sure. Uh, I think he's maybe mellowed a little, maybe. Uh, but it was that kind of demagoguery running against Coleman that I think uh, embedded that notion in the minds of people. Yeah. Okay, Bob Berg, former press secretary to Mayor Coleman Young, Reverend Larry Simmons, worked with him for many years, pastor at Babel Memorial Church. Thank you both for being here on Detroit Today.
Thank you. Thank you. All right. Up next, uh, we're going to talk with Henry Louis Gates, Harvard University host of Finding Your Roots on PBS about the fourth season of that show. Stay with us on Detroit Today.